Hello again, everybody. Welcome back to the Good Bit Podcast. Thank you very much for downloading today's episode. Very, very grateful and thankful for your time. What another incredible film we're going to talk about today on the Good Bit. It is an absolute game changer in terms of animated films and just the way that films of that genre and that time period were made. This is Shrek, everybody, from DreamWorks. And joining me is my good, close, personal friend, one of the good brothers, Andrew Munt. We are here, ladies and gents, Andy Boots with me. How are you, my good friend? I'm very well, Chris. How are you doing? Good, man. It's uh, It's been a long time coming, having you on the pod. And uh, I put the casting call out. <laughs> <laughs> and you jumped on. And I'm very grateful for oh, that. Yeah. However, I'm going to need to for- um, ask you for forgiveness straight away because I have workies outside, right? Not for me, for the neighbours. And uh, it's now currently 1pm in the afternoon, right? But they started this at... 8.30 and understand that's like a regular time to start doing construction work but I just people are sleeping you know what I mean and like people have been on the night shift like why do you need to start half eight in the morning it's just this brutal man yeah I live in I live across from Hamden All right. <laughs> totally redoing Lesser Hamden just now which is a little right. astro pitch just outside it because that's going to be where Queen's Park play their home games I see but they're um, like totally ripped the ground up, destroyed the clubhouse and they're rebuilding it from scratch. And they like to work on occasions at seven o'clock on Sunday mornings. Sunday mornings? Oh, yeah, Sunday mornings. There are so many things wrong with that. No, there is. So there have been stern words shared, so I feel your pain. Oh, has there been stern words? See, I'm, I just can't do it. I, I, obviously, we have a mutual friend, Angie, and she's like, oh, I would have had a letter through the door. Well, it's just not me. You know what I mean? I just can't, I can't pull them up for it, you know? Well, I'm less of a letter person, more of an open-the-window-and-scheme-at-them person. <laughs> more of a fisticuffs kind of guy. Um, aye, so but we also have, like, neighbours, like, through the wall that have been getting stuff done and stuff. And I've worked as, like, a workie before, you know what I mean? Like, that was my first job. I was, like, a labourer um, right after school. And it's just not me whatsoever, as you know. Um, and, like, just some of the stuff, like, people would be like, all right, go and, like, hammer this thing. And I'm like, but it's 8 o'clock in the morning. Like, people are saying, I'm too nice, you know what I mean, <laughs> to kind of disturb people. And they're like, oh, no, just do it, man. Who cares? And it's just not me whatsoever. Um, you get any experience? I, you, you, I can imagine being quite a good builder. Um, <laughs> I mean, I like to turn my hand to uh, practical things, but <laughs> I wouldn't say I've got a large amount of skill in the area. <laughs> A lot of DIY involved, that's fine. Uh, well, listen, as actors, you kind of need to do a lot of stuff yourself, you know mm. what I mean? Um, but it's more in a kind of performance way, in a technical way. Um, and that's how we met. We we met as we both are the same. We both are the same. We are both members of the same acting agency. And uh, that's how we met, right? We kind of met on this, like, training day. Do you have fond memories of that day? I do have fond memories of that. Well, I say fond memories. I have memories. Yeah. Um, we'll see <laughs> whether they're not so fun. No, they are very fun. <laughs> not that they would be fun, but it's not as particularly. It's not like a great day or anything, you know. Um, no, it was nice. Um, I do remember, of course, yourself and Jack joined in the same day. Oh yeah. And I thought you had been hired as a double act. If I'm perfectly really? honest. <laughs> um, Why? <laughs> just the. <laughs> I mean, if anyone knows you and Jack, I think it would be pretty obvious. Right. Um, if anyone doesn't, just imagine. Jack and Victor from Still Game, like, 40 years previous. <laughs> I'll be kind, 50 years previous. Thanks, thanks. <laughs> and that was about it. Just very, two, two peas in a pod. So much so, yeah. we, we dressed up as them for Halloween. Look, 
<laughs> yes, well, bringing that, bringing that exact dynamic to the group, I must say. Hi, well, I didn't know that. I didn't. I just thought, obviously, Jack. Um, Jack didn't stick around for long. He was. He's now represented by someone else. But like, I we had a good relationship to the point where like we would do a lot of things together. Like, for example, we did a tour together. Like right after that and stuff. And people would always go on about that as if, oh, he's like Jack and Victor and stuff. But it's not, we're just friends from college. It's a bit like you and Josh. Like, it's not as if it's like this long thing. It's just that's when you kind of click, you know? But yeah. Um, I'm glad to know that I made a good impression on your first day. I just thought, you know, you start something like a first, like a new job or a first day of a class or something, you feel the kind of pressure and you feel like, oh, are people going to think you're too much? Um, but that was a nice chill day, you know? He's got a sneeze. He's got a sneeze. It's gone. <laughs> That's terrible. I really wanted the audio for that. <laughs> <You> stole it. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, so then in terms of your acting life, um, I've not seen you in much because, I mean, a lot of times uh, when we've known each other, it has been through COVID, you know. Um, yeah, we met cool. in 2018. Um, so two years of that has been kind of taken up. But we've been lucky enough to see each other in person a couple of times. Uh, how well, did you get started? Is it something you've always wanted to do? Have you always been a performer? How did you start performing? Um, well, I didn't realise that uh, acting is what I really wanted to do until I was sort of coming to the end of school. Um, it should have been something that I realised earlier because I recently found <laughs> I recently found a school report from when I was in primary one or primary two, and uh, one of the things it said was um, Andrew responds well to creative stimulus when they're doing a little kiddie drama drama sessions. Yeah. Andrew responds well to creative stimulus and moves creatively to music. <laughs> and I've just got images of me as a five-year-old just twerking in the corner. <laughs> not, uh, not that Andrew likes to dance, not that he's a good dancer, but that he moves creatively to music. <laughs> so did you Which, have a particular song that got you moving? Oh, I've got absolutely no idea. But it sort of makes sense because whenever... Uh, Whenever there's call-outs for actors with good movement dance skills, that just immediately goes in the bin. Yeah. So I feel like I've carried that on. (laughs) It's mad all life. Um, But yeah, no, um, I remember when uh, I was doing drama in school and I was just a bit of a laugh, a bit of a joke around. And then for one reason, I can't remember why, for one reason or another, I got moved classes. In the class that I got moved into, the kids actually took it seriously. All right. Like, oh, okay. Well, I'll maybe take that seriously. And I got up and I'd done a stupid little scene about shouting at my son because I caught him smoking. And everyone was like, wow, <laughs> he's so good. And I was like, oh, this is nice. Like, Blown away. Yeah, not that I was like unpopular or anything. I was just like a very middle of the road, bland kid. Right. Um, so to just receive that sort of Wow, response. Yeah. That made me go, huh, that feels nice. Maybe I'll do that again. Isn't it funny how it works in school as well when you go and pick drama and a lot of people will pick it for the laugh, you know, and then you do kind of get invested in it, you know? And the only reason I actually done it in the first place was because, um, I mean, I did have my bad moments in school and uh, I wanted to pick Techie, but I wasn't allowed because of a violent incident with a file. Um, when I was in second year, which I didn't start, I hate right, okay. And then when it, you know, when you come to pick your subjects for your standard grades, um, 
when it came around to that point, they give you the sheet with all the different columns and you need to pick yep. some ones from each column. I just went, well, I don't want to do this. So I just cheated the sheet and just didn't put a language on it. I was supposed to do German. And I just put other things on it that I wanted to do. Um, and I got away with it for like three months <laughs> uh, at the first uh, third, third year. And then the Tano announcement came over one morning and it was uh, the head of the Modern Language Department looking for me and I was like, oh God, here we go. So I went in and she went, Andrew, I think you owe me a punishment exercise. And I said, no, I don't. And she says, hmm, I think you do. And I was like, please, please believe me. <laughs> you did not give me a punishment exercise in your class. And she went, hmm, okay then, who's your German teacher? Oh, no. And at that point, the game was up. And the game was absolutely up. I just had to be like, oh, I don't have one. So they took me out of... Um, a couple of things, switched classes, and well, they actually said to me, um, which do you want to pick two subjects to drop? And so I said, okay, I will drop something and something. And they said, nah, you're dropping PE and whatever, and you're picking up German and drama. And I was like, oh, God, here we go. Right. And so that was that. And when I actually got into it, then... It was great. I and can't then, believe it lasted for three months and no one said anything. Like know, it, the school system is broken. The administrative system of Hillbart Secondary is a sham. <laughs> um, but yeah, then it was a, a girl who my sister was friends with. It was quite a close family friend. Had left school. She's about five years older than me. She left school and she went to do an acting and performance course at Reed Care College, which is now West College Scotland Paisley. Right. And uh, she really enjoyed it. And I said to her as a kid, she said, yep. Why not give it a try? I said, yeah, okay, I'll apply. Um, so I actually started sixth year and then was there for a couple of weeks. I thought, you know what, this isn't for me anymore. Mm. Skills rotten. Um, applied for a clearing space in the HNC course and they didn't have any, but they said, we've got the NC. I know you've already got higher drama, but we've got the NC if you want it. So I went in for the audition, um, really liked it, and I went in from the first day. I was like, okay, this is actually the correct decision. This is what I want to do. Straight to it, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because I did something similar. I didn't do an NC. I did one called an NPA, which I actually don't think exists anymore. Um, <laughs> I think it was called a National Progression Award. So I would go when I was in like sixth year and I went to Kelvin College and I was like an acting course and it was a total shambles. Like it was just like no one knew anything that was going on. No one knew who was in charge. We didn't know when we had assessments due and things like that. But I kind of wish I did do an NC course because I already had higher drama, but my, my school didn't, um, didn't offer advanced higher. So I had to go and do that. Um, and then I went straight into college after that. But it is good to kind of have that one wee sort of year of confidence boosting, if anything else. You know what I mean? To go, all right, I can do this and I'm all right. Yeah, it is. Um, especially for me, and I think it's the same with a lot of people um, that get involved in this industry. My whole time at school was littered with, Andrew is a very intelligent boy, but... Right. <laughs> and whether that was, but he talks too much or he distracts others or he doesn't have any focus or he's always falling asleep in class or he's always throwing things at people or always doing a hug. <laughs> whatever. Whatever it was, there was always... Andrew's a very intelligent boy, but... and I think He's always singing Rangers songs. <laughs> he's always been caught. He was singing Follow, Follow. Um, <laughs> but I think, in general, there is a school is set up in such a way that if you are quite an energetic, creative person, it can be incredibly limiting and inhibitive. And... Um, Whereas 
once you get to college, for example, and start doing a drama course or whatever, you are encouraged to, you know, it's, it's not completely unacademic. Um, totally. You, you do need to be, like, academically capable and have a level of intelligence. Yeah, you need um, to be able but, to read and things like that. <laughs> but you are totally encouraged to uh, nurture that creative and energetic side. So you can go in and put in a hell of a amount of graft and knacker yourself physically, mentally and emotionally with the amount of work that you're putting in. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're just having an absolute blast. Yeah. And I think that is, it took me getting out of that school environment, which I really hated to discover that, that it didn't, because when you know when you're doing it in school, it almost feels, even from other teachers, it almost feels as if um, when you're doing drama, teachers from other subjects, almost it's looked down upon. Yeah, frowned upon. It's the easy option and it's for people who don't want an actual job, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I love I mean, the kind of like collaborative effort of like drama in school because it, it felt different than other subjects. Maybe PE was similar, you know, like playing sports with people, but like the fact that you could go and like you didn't need to sit at a desk, <laughs> you know what I mean? You yeah. didn't need to write all the time. You could literally have a laugh and be rewarded for it, you know, like that was a big turn on for me for that. Absolutely, time. absolutely. I think it's important for people of all ages, um, but especially kids that are interested in uh, more practical, uh, practical courses and subjects that it's it they're just as valid as physics or maths totally or whatever um it's been quite a well documented thing but you know through the the lockdown period when everybody was stuck at home all anyone was doing was going for a walk and then coming home and watching hours of tv playing hours of video games listening it was a podcast and music yeah. and those are the people the people that created that are the same people that at school were told get a real job <laughs> Aye, absolutely and you know it's funny as well you were just mentioning like, like if a spotlight breakdown comes out or something and it's like oh we need uh, someone who's a you know skilled dancer you're always just like saying nope that's not me um a lot of things these things come out in terms of like jobs and stuff you know like we need a, a talented uh cyclist a talented uh, volleyball player or whatever and then if you don't do it at a high level you just go nah but at the same time you know what I mean? Like, see if you just, like, if you did it on the side or you had it as a hobby or you just even gave it a go and, like, tried to do it. I mean, you're, if you're an actor, you're trying to, like, pretend that you're doing it. You know, surely you don't need to, like, just click X on every one of them. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I'm very yeah. guilty of just clicking nope, 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 nope. Um, but I feel like if you were to give it a go, like, for example, I saw one the other day. It was like, um, must be a skilled barista. <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm not, I don't. I'm not a barista, so that's no for me. But like, you could probably learn and fake it till you make it. You know what I mean? Like, you've got experience doing that stuff. How you know? Could you work that into a scene? <laughs> yeah, these um, it, these sort of things always baffle me, um, because as you say, obviously there are some things that are highly skilled, and if you don't have a grasp of it, then of you're going to fail horribly and probably hurt yourself. Yeah. But things such as must be a skilled barista. I think to myself, unless this scene is me. <laughs> As a close-up of me showing someone how to do a perfect latte art. Making a coffee, yeah. Like. There's no need for me to be a skilled barista. <laughs> um, because, I mean, set, set the cup under the thing, press the button, pour in the milk. That's it. And that's what it's going to be. I mean, is there really going to be any more detail in the shot than that? And if there is, then I'd be very surprised unless you were making like a corp- corporate video for cost of coffee. Right, exactly, um, exactly. 
Um, so I, I, I can't drive, right? But I went for an audition one time where I had to drive a car through a wall. But it specifically said, like, you know, you do not need that. You're not going to be actually driving the car. You just need to look as if you know how to drive a car. And I'd done lessons and stuff. So I'm sitting in the audition just being like, like trying to kid when I'm driving the car and moving the gear stick and stuff. And they're like, oh, he didn't look convincing enough. And I was like, well, I don't drive. <laughs> I was just doing my best impression <laughs> of someone who does drive. Uh, you don't look convincing enough sitting in that chair in no. an empty room pretending <laughs> to drive a car. car. <laughs> no, no. I always think of that story that Daniel Kaluuya told on Graham Norton. You know Daniel Kaluuya? Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, um, he put all the accents on his CV because he's like, I'm an actor, I want a job. Just put all the accents on there. I'm brilliant everything. And they asked him to do like a Scottish accent and then it came out like Swiss or whatever. And they told him to leave. <laughs> um, I always think about that. Like, I will put stuff on my CV, but you need to be careful what you're doing, you know? <laughs> um, in terms of other things that kind of brought us together is um that you were a wrestling fan when you were younger is that right mm, absolutely yeah um i love that whole attitude era attitude era, absolutely yeah all that sort of gear um you know undertaker throwing mankind off the hill in a cell <laughs> do you, i've referenced that multiple times a week what undertaker throwing mick foley off the cell yep absolutely absolutely um anything <laughs> there's sort of a running joke to me and my friend sam where Anything that happens, like the end of any story, you know, one of us will just go, but don't let that detract from the fact that in 1998, The Undertaker threw Mankind up there on <laughs> As God is my witness, he is broken in half. <laughs> that man do be cleft in twain. <laughs> oh, God. Mick Foley's such a nice guy, too, when you sit and watch him in interviews and stuff like that, and he's just talking about how this one moment, like, made his career. And you think he is dead, you know? <laughs> 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 that's good so you were a fan when you were younger when did you just kind of come out of it is it just as you were grown, you kind of grew out of it or did you kind of just lose interest I mean I sort, I sort of um, even when I was in like, sort of my late teens early 20s I, I kept up with it a bit you know I stopped watching it religiously but all the big pay-per-views and the Royal Rumble's WrestleMania and all that sort of stuff like the Elimination Chambers is always a favourite I always enjoyed that sort of stuff but then you know when it uh, when it sort of cleaned up its act a little bit. Yeah, that Not coincided that coincided with me getting a little bit older again, um, which you know the chair shots and the right <laughs> the gratuitous uh, language and was, sex and language. Yeah, just kicking someone in the balls and sticking the finger in their face and then chugging a can of beer. Um, that was that was what it was all about for me. So when Stone Cold Steve Austin retired, that was the end of your thing? Basically, I basically I never liked wrestling, I just like Stone Cold. <laughs> there you go. Um, in terms of uh, other acting jobs, the one thing that I remember vividly in my head seeing you do is you did like a sort of promotional video for Rangers. Oh, uh, yeah. You're like walking through, like, or walking on your way to Ibrox talking about the season tickets. Tell us about that because we're both Rangers fans, we've been to games together. Yeah. Um, tell us about how you, first of all, how you got that job and what your impression was when you were filming it. So... Um, it was a really unusual, unu- excuse me, really unusual job to get um, because there's a a lady I know. Um, she, her name's Heather Morrison. She's lovely. Um, she's a amateur theatre director, and she's a lecturer at Reedcare College. And I'd worked with her a bit, and I had her on Facebook, and she shared a post that she had seen. And it was from a man called Tommy, um, who was looking for a spoken word artist or a poet or 
that sort of thing, um, who supported Rangers. So I messaged them and said, listen, I saw that you're looking for this. What is it that you've uh, you've got in, in mind? And he said that he was the head of a production company that uh, produced a lot of stuff for UEFA, which is okay. the European uh, football governing body. And this was when Rangers were uh, re-entering the group stages of European competition for the first time. So it was the first year back in the Europa League groups with Rapid Vienna, Spartak Moscow and Villarreal. Good memory. Oh, wonderful memory. Absolutely fantastic memory when it comes to football stuff. When it comes to Rangers. Encyclopedia. Not just Rangers, just like football, dates, matches, players, all that sort of thing. Um, I'm your guy. But don't ask me to remember what I had for dinner last night. (laughs) Um, But I messaged him and uh, he's a Rangers fan as well. And he said, I just wondered if we could do something, a little piece. Um, I thought it may be cool, cool to do like a sort of like spoken word thing. And we got experience in that. At which point my only experience was I uh, filmed, I, I wrote something, filmed it in my living room one time and posted it on Facebook just for my own yeah. enjoyment. Um, but I was like, oh yes, I'm a very skilled uh, experienced as you do as we were just talking about yeah perception like, is reality absolutely i'm a big believer in that he was like cool so this is what we're looking for um and he got me in touch with his well asked me to send a little clip of me doing something over just so that they could see what it looked like and sounded like on camera i guess um so he put me in touch with his gaffer who <laughs> sent me he was clearly just like a very much behind the scenes sort of guy who, you know, done the done the email work because he emailed, he emailed me saying, this is what we're looking for and it's going to be an introduction into the city of Glasgow and the history of Glasgow Rangers, high points and low points, uh, the, the main rivalries that we, they have, um, the uh, financial crisis a decade ago and the impact of going down to the lower divisions, the rise back to the top, and then we'll bring in the present day and we'll talk about, um, you know, Stephen Gerrard becoming manager and uh, getting back into Europe. I said, cool, so how long is this going to be? And he says, about a minute and a half. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, how is this going to work? And I said, right, okay, mate. So <laughs> we've got, I, could, I could literally produce weeks of material on what you've just yeah. asked me about. But no, a minute and a half is fine. Um, so I wrote this sort of poem Um Oh, you wrote um, it? That's that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wrote it. Um, it was much, much longer than, than the the actual uh, feature was. But so I wrote it, sent it over, and said, "Listen, this is what I've got for all the points that you've got. It's up to you. Like, feel free to tell me what you want taken out." And obviously, slashed it down by a hell of a lot. Um, so we got a final edit, and then I met up with Tommy. And lovely big Australian man, whose name I can't remember, but he was the spitting image of Peter Crouch. And he was the, he was the same height as him as well. He was massive, yeah. He was a massive guy. Um, and we met up and we just went around different areas. Um, we were on Buchanan Street. We went up to Ibrox at the stadium, obviously. We were at the subway. We went up the, you know, the lighthouse? Yeah, yeah. yeah so we went up the, the lighthouse, the little viewing point up there to get some nice, like, Very nice yeah. shots. Um, and actually, when we were in there, I saw a few of the staff members sort of like looking at me and go, 
give, give me the eye and stuff. And oh, he's an actor. Like, wow. A bit weird. No, they heard that something was happening for Rangers and they thought I was a Rangers player. Ah, very good. And when I told them that I wasn't and that I was just a simple jobbing actor, they looked so disgusted <laughs> and walked away without nearly another word. So disappointed. Oh, so disappointed. Okay. Um, but yeah, we filmed that. And then the last thing that we filmed was uh, me standing outside the stadium on the night of the game with all the fans going in, delivering my final line of camera and then walking in the turnstile. Um, and it was just an incredible experience. Um, to, to be able to produce your own work and then right. have it filmed and have it shown all over Europe because it was part of the UEFA Europa League magazine show which gets, which gets shown literally in every country in Europe yeah. and further afield um, and other, uh, other continents and for it to be on something that you're so passionate about passionate about as well was just such a brilliant experience Huge honour, that sounds yeah. good man That's a lot of fun. Absolutely uh, tell me about in terms of you watching movies then. Um, do you have early memories of watching movies, like your favourite movie when you were wee? And if you can, can you tell us about the first time you ever went to the cinema, if that's a memory that you have? It is. Um, it's, a, a very, <laughs> it's a very, very tiny little memory, but I remember it. <laughs> Somewhere um, in the back of your head. I remember the first time I ever went to the cinema, my mum took me and my brother to see Toy Story. When Great it came out, which show. Was, that's a good one. 1996, I think. 1995, was it? I believe. Oh, wow. Um, well, I was born in January 92. Um, <laughs> so that is a hell of an early memory. Um, but I do remember it. I don't remember much, obviously. I just remember little snapshots um, of me being scared of Sid. Absolutely. <laughs> of me totally. eating, little, eating little sweeties. So that was uh, that's my earliest memory. Um, my first proper memory that I can actually vividly recount is going to see The Phantom Menace. Oh, here we go. Okay. Again, with my mum and brother. Um, so the, I didn't go to the cinema much when I was younger. Um, didn't do anything much, to be honest. But uh, <laughs> when it, it was really only when it was either my birthday or my brother's birthday. My brother's only 11 months older than me. So he was born in February 91 and I was born in January 92. And you um, look very similar as well, by the way. Really? Like when, I, like, like, like when I when I went to your birthday that one time, like I, I came in at the same time as your brother, and I was like, I'm going the right way because that's Andy's brother and he's working towards <laughs> it. That's mad that you say that because people never think they look alike. Maybe I'm maybe I'm making it up, but I can remember you looking alike. Anyway, sorry, carry on. No, I, I mean, I do remember you telling me that at the time, but uh, maybe you've just got a keener eye than other people. Maybe. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the only time we really went to the cinema was when it was my birthday and his birthday. Um, and we went to see The Phantom Menace. And I remember just being absolutely awestruck by it. Just the the whole production. Um, Darth Maul was and remains the coolest character in the history of film. People okay, have, bold statement, but yeah, fair. People have beef with the Phantom Menace. I absolutely love it. And I know that it's probably, like some, it probably just a nostalgic thing. Um, but I had just never seen anything like that before. And I've never seen any character like Darth Maul before. That's that. And, and thought, have you seen the originals before, like in House? No, no. Or is this no. the first time you've ever no, seen Star the Wars? The first time I'd ever seen Star Wars was going to see The Phantom Menace. Wow. 
That's um, that's cool. What about did you did you like Anakin then? The fact that it's like a young boy in this situation, like you could go, I can relate to that person, you know? Oh, absolutely. I thought yeah, it was so a, cool. I, I thought, well, get me in a pod racer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why am I on the fifty-seven back home? Like, <laughs> <laughs> get me a pod racer. I'll I'll scoot us up the road. Um, but no, I remember I went 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 to the Odeon at the Key. Remember me and my brother um, all the way home, just recreating that uh, final fight scene. Aye, duel of the fates. Yeah, and just uh, you know the ducking under and then the jumping over and then yeah, yeah, yeah. And they be like, right, I'll go and I'll get to you, and then we'll swap, and you can chop me in half. Aye, aye. <laughs> That's what, like, that was a thing with like lightsabers, like you would like choreograph uh, wee scenes and stuff. Yeah. Oh man, incredible. Um, and it's just it's just one of my favourite uh, childhood movie memories. Yeah. I love all the Star Wars films for different reasons, and I've got a soft spot for the prequels because I did grow up on them. Mm. Um, my least favourite Star Wars film is Attack of the Clones, but but Phantom Menace and Revenge of the Sith are way up there like on my favourite Star Wars films. I saw Revenge of the Sith at the Odeon at the Key in 2005, and that was the, that was the first Star Wars I'd ever seen as well. Um, and then I went back and watched some stuff. But even to this day, like, see, after the new ones came out and stuff like that, and then they, they had, like, the Sky movies, like, like Star Wars channel or whatever, so it was, like, mm. always on. Like, you'd end up just having Phantom Menace and stuff on. You go, this is actually, like, good. Like, people didn't like it because it was totally different and it was, like, or bad writing and things like that. But it's actually good. Like, there's some good stuff in yeah. there in terms of story-wise, you know? Never it's, mind a it's a standalone film. I still really rate it. Totally. Totally. And I do think Revenge of the Sith is, is one of my favourite movies of all time, period. Um, and I won't hear anything otherwise in terms of Hayden Christensen's acting, because I always liked him. I thought he was really cool. Um, I don't know, that poor guy who plays Anakin in Phantom Menace, though, is it Jake Lloyd? Um, the wee boy who apparently like just was slated for his performance. And like, as a wee boy, you know what I mean? Like, I would find that cruel for me now. You know what I mean? In my 20s. You know? Um, like, he did an interview one time, and he's like, now I just can't leave the house without putting a plastic bag over my head. <laughs> yeah, like this is a, this is a seven year old boy, you know. Oh Dreadful man, but I do love Star Wars. Um, cool. So then, when we were organising doing the podcast today, um, I said, "All right, we're getting people on. You get to pick the film. What's your favourite film or whatever we can talk about?" And Andy, within I don't know hours, can I do Shrek? And I was like, "Yes, you can." So uh, tell us why did you bring Shrek to today's podcast? You know, I thought about there are so many films that I absolutely love, um, and many of them are dark, gritty, right. dramatic, incredible emotive acting performances. But in terms of if someone ever says to me, What's your favourite film? the image that just pops into my head is Shrek. And I, I, I'm not saying that it is my favourite film. It, I mean, it definitely is one of. Yeah. I'm not saying it is my. Absolutely, top favorite film, but I think it's just an incredible film for so many reasons. Um, I mean, going back to the whole nostalgic thing that we were talking about. When I was a kid, um, we only ever went on one family holiday. We couldn't really afford to go on any holidays, so we only went on one holiday, and we went down to Blackpool for a week in two thousand and one, and that was the week that Shrek came out. And one of the things that we did was go to see Shrek. Nice. So. Not only was it part of my one and only family holiday that I had, it was also the first and only time that me, my brother, my sister, and my mum and dad all went to the cinema together. Wow. Um, so my dad didn't keep well. 
Um, so he wasn't really out much, but in a, a nice little period of health, we managed to get away and do some really nice things. Nice. And Shrek was one of them. And I just remember all five of us just absolutely gutting ourselves at so many different parts of it. Um, so many good moments. Which is just a, a brilliant thing. And there are, there, are, there are now so many great films that have um, that can be enjoyed by literally everyone from yeah. cradle to grave, as it were. Um, but I feel like back then, animated films especially weren't as completely catered towards all age groups to yeah. satisfy every little niche need. So just remember sitting in that, and it was the first time I'd ever been in a different cinema because the Odeon and the Key was the only one I'd ever been to as well. Right. So all these things together, it just made it a really special experience. And it just so happened that the film was absolutely brilliant it's a class film it is class and i do think obviously you see animated films were kind of cater to more kids and stuff at the time which is totally true um and i also think like adults would approach animated films as kid films so they'd be mm. like all right okay we'll watch you know whatever the jungle book or whatever do you know what i mean like which is well whereas i think shrek toy story and maybe the lion king are like the first few animated films that even, I mean, I also think Shrek is more catered to the family than The Lion King is in Toy Story. I think obviously Toy Story's Pixar so it's more catered towards kids, but at the same time mm. I never thought adults got that impression that they didn't want to watch Toy Story. But I think those three films really changed the game whereas now you're getting plenty of animated films that within all of them the writing is like catered to everybody. There's so many like, in Shrek especially, and it's more so Shrek 2 there's so many like innuendos and stuff like that that just go yeah. completely over your head as a wee boy. You know what I mean? But the adults are sitting there going, that's class. Do you know what I mean? Like you just didn't have that Absolutely. before. So that's a good point. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, as I say, I, th- I feel like it was a real seminal moment for um, animated films. Uh, certainly in Western cinema anyway. Um <laughs> and it just it's su- it just sets such a high bar that you know there are some things, for example, the uh, the horror genre. Mm-hmm. If we take that, there are some real seminal works and from years gone by where you watch them now and you're like, oh, I can see why it was good at the time, but by today's standards, it's you know tra- kind of trash. If that came out today, it would be like. Yeah, probably poor reviews, but you know it did really influence the genre, so it's really important in that respect. It did well at the time, yeah. Yeah, whereas with Shrek, twenty-one years after its release, I still struggle to find something that will overtake that. Right. So, if, like for example, if Shrek came out now, it would still have that kind yeah. of high. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, There has been a, a lot of good films after, um, in that sort of genre, but. I feel like if Shrek came out today, it would still blow them out of the water. Um, and I think that's a really, really testament. Um, it's a real testament to the the quality of the film. Yeah. You look at the greatest animated films of the last five, ten years, I think of things like Moana and uh, Inside Out, Wreck-It Ralph, Onward, Frozen even, Tangled. These films are loved, you know what I mean? But you can easily put Shrek in the conversation as being as good if not better you know and as you say it did come out 21 years ago absolutely so, um, and all these films that you talked about in the sort of past 5, 10 years whatever um, you know the, these films have started getting churned out more and more and more and it's to the point where it's like well what's 
the big release this half of this year in terms of like a Disney Pixar or yeah. that sort of thing. And these films that you mentioned are all absolutely brilliant. I absolutely love Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah. Um, absolutely love uh, Big Hero 6. Big Hero um, 6 is great, yeah. So good. I um, love the bit where Baymax comes in and he's like, he's losing air and it's like he's drunk. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Just these, see those moments of, and I guess that actually um, goes back to what I was saying earlier about having the freedom educationally to just be creatively intelligent and just really playful. Those innocent moments, like Baymax coming in, losing the losing all the air out of his body and he's stumbling about as if he's drunk. Yeah. It's just so funny. It's just <laughs> so funny to everybody. Um, it's very wholesome too, like someone thought of that idea. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, for, I do enjoy a bit of dark comedy and dark humour. Um, and the more adult stuff, like I'm not, I don't just have the mental age of a seven-year-old. But the, <laughs> for me, there is something in finding that universal humour that no matter whether you're two or 92, you find it funny. I feel like that is, it seems simpler because it might seem like a, I don't want to say childish, but it might be, it might be viewed as a more sort of like childish type of humour. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like they, they um, almost they kind of, they don't get as much credit as maybe they deserve because they're looked at in a certain way. Yeah, absolutely. But as I was saying with going to see Shrek in the cinema, me looking at, so what would that have been when that came out? Nine? I would have been nine when that came out. So my brother would have been 10. Um, and my sister, a few years older again. And then mum and dad in their 40s. And all of us, and indeed everyone in the cinema, just mm-hmm. absolutely howling with laughter. I think there's just something so wonderful about being able to provide that. And I think there is something so difficult about that as well. So that when you get that spot on, that yeah. it becomes such an incredible thing. It's a comfort film for you, you know what I mean? Because you'll watch it and you just always go back to either that memory or just you still buckle, you know, because yeah. it is so funny and stuff, you know. I always preferred Shrek 2 to the first one, right? Only because I saw Shrek 2 at the cinema and I didn't see the first one at the cinema. <laughs> I had Shrek 2 on DVD, didn't have Shrek 1 on DVD. Do you know what I mean? So I had like a wee soft spot for that more. Um, I also had the Shrek video game for the PlayStation 2. I don't know if you ever <laughs> played it. Um, I can't even remember if it was any good or not, but I just have like... I think it was a Shrek 2 video game anyway, but it was like you had to go and collect lots of things and it just went on and on and on. And you played as Shrek and you would fight the bad guys and stuff. And it was like pretty violent for like a kid's film, you know? Like I was so used to playing like the WWE video games and stuff. So I was just like used to it. But I can imagine like a young child who isn't into watching, you know, choreographed violence on a weekly basis um, <laughs> playing the Shrek video game and being taken aback by it a little bit. Um, and another reason why I love Shrek so much is because I was very lucky to go to Universal Studios in Orlando mm-hmm. um, when I was wee. And there's like a Shrek bit, like a Shrek exhibit. And it's someone in a Shrek costume who doesn't speak because it's a big mad ogre costume. But also <laughs> there's like a donkey thing like in the wall. And it's like an actual person like behind the wall with a microphone doing an Eddie Murphy impression, like talking to the customers and stuff. And like, I remember standing, I don't know what we were doing. Maybe someone was at the toilet or whatever, but we went to go and meet Shrek and Donkey and got a picture with them and stuff. But it was more so me waiting to go and meet them and just watching the Donkey character (laughs) interact with other strangers. And the guy was just hilarious. Like you would think it was Eddie Murphy. You know what I mean? Like he was just so funny, um, slagging the customers and stuff, you know, like, um, so I always think back to that. And then when I went back, when I was older, it's like still there, like the same, I don't know if it's the same guy, sounds exactly the same, (laughs) you know? Um, and like there's something about the fact that Donkey 
played by Eddie Murphy, is such a funny character in the movie. I felt like he was like one of my favorite movie characters. Yeah. You know, and it's a donkey. It's an animated donkey, but you still relate to him because he's so funny, you know? Yeah, everybody loves that damn donkey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have to go save my ass, as he says. <laughs> Very good. Uh, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, I mean, I love Shrek 2 as well. Shrek 2 yeah. is absolutely fantastic. The part towards the end where, you know, Jennifer Saunders as the fairy godmother is so exquisitely good <laughs> when, they're, when they're having the big ball. And she uh, sings Holding Out for a Hero. That's so good. Huh? That whole scene where, you know, Shrek's the human at that point and Donkey's turned into the stallion. The stallion. And charging in. And it's honestly one of my favourite scenes of any film. I just <laughs> the giant, uh, The giant gingerbread man. Yes, the giant ginger, gingerbread man, um, whose name is Mongo. <laughs> um, I Baffled me as a child, baffles me today. Anyway, um, yeah, that's right too. Um, <laughs> I love the bit where Donkey goes, and in the morning I'm making waffles. <laughs> oh, um, how many, how many times over your life have you heard people say that? I know, and that like voice and stuff. Yeah, um, such. A I know we're talking about Shrek too, but like when he's when they're in the can I carriage going to you know see Fiona's mum and dad, he's like, "Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there?" Yet? I just absolutely howling when I was wee. Um, there's plenty of funny bits in, in Shrek 1. I love the bit where it's like the dating show for the princesses. <laughs> it's like, which princess will you take and stuff? And like, it's so funny. And like, at the time, I was a, a, a young boy who didn't know much about like other princesses and stuff like that, right? Um, so when you see Fiona, you just assume that she's like this big deal, you know? And then obviously later on, she becomes just Shrek's, Shrek's wife or whatever. But um. I just thought, like, it's such a funny scene. And I don't get it at the time. It's like a dating show. I don't know if it's, like, Blind Date or whatever it is. Um, I, can't, I didn't even know what the rip-off would have been for. But, like, that's another example of, like, a joke for the adults that will laugh and go, oh, that's a, seg- a segment and a callback to yeah. this. Yeah. Whereas we just think it's this funny moment, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And there are so many, so many parts like that. Um, yeah. There's obviously the... the um, and Shrek was a a big uh, a big blow to the sort of monopolization that Disney had on the animated film, uh, right? Animated film scene, and the you know the executive producer at DreamWorks and the executive producer at Disney. I can't remember their names. Don't ask me to remember. Um, used to used to work together quite closely, and they had a huge falling out. Oh, really? And yeah, a lot of the 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 things in Shrek is you know sub- subverting the classic fairy tales. Yeah, and when you know when the when Shrek and Donkey arrive at Jilok, and the little scene pops up and they sing the wee song. Aye, you know, <laughs> yes, good. Little wee little figures, welcome to do that. Um, Brilliant. Yeah, that's just such a like uh, a real two fingers stuck up at at Disney for the it's a small world. Yeah, um, it's a tiny, tiny world. <laughs> um, and I just think that's it's so funny that they managed to just get this. Well, do you know what? F you, Disney. Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> Which is so good. Um, and But yeah, there's, as you say, obviously the whole thing is based on so many references to other parts of culture and all that sort of thing. And even the... Um, 
you know the 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 ogres are like onions part. Yeah, that is um, taken from Pierre Gint, which is uh, a like a really um, revered classical play. Oh, I see. Right, okay. And that note that uh, the a man is like an onion, so that's taken from that, which you would, right. you would which you would never know because especially when donkey then turns around and goes, oh, you leave them out in the sun too long, they go white and start sprouting little hairs. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just that like marriage of that complete, um, like deep intellectual academic literature sort of reference followed by the stupidest little childish joke. Yeah. I mean, you put those two together, I think it just creates magic. So many good one-liners from from Eddie Murphy, but also, I mean, the fact it's like, it's such a good cast too, Mike Myers, Cameron Diaz, John Lithgow. Oh, it's absolutely brilliant. And it's, it is one of those things where the, the cast has just come together perfectly. Um, I know that uh, when Shrek was first sort of touted by Steven Spielberg um, in the early 90s, and I know that he originally wanted Bill Murray as Shrek and Steve Martin as Donkey. <laughs> which, really? if it had happened, I'm sure would have been absolutely brilliant. Steve but, Martin as Donkey would be, be a whole other thing. Absolutely brilliant. But now, at this point, you're thinking, why did they ever want anyone other than Mike Martin I know, and I know. And Eddie Murphy. And they actually offered Shrek to Nick Cage. <laughs> and he turned it down. That wouldn't have worked. Well, it may have done, but like thinking now, it's like, know, why would that, you know? Yeah, but I feel like that's the. Um, I mean, these are all, yeah, such well established, respected right. actors. And yet, when you hear, oh, this person was touted for this part, or this person was offered this part, you think, absolutely not. Why would they ever Aye. do that? That's a horrible idea. And that's only because the performances that were given by the actors that were cast were absolutely brilliant. Um, and I think you can just. I think you can just tell how much they enjoyed it, the process, exactly. and just how much joy that they had doing it. Um, it's and the it's, mark of a good film, isn't it? When you when it looks yeah. like they're having fun too. It's all done so perfect. Even like John Lithgow is six foot four. <laughs> he's a wee and guy in this. He's voicing Lord Farquaad, who is what four foot ten or something. And it's Aye. just so he just captures it perfectly. Um, and that just when you have that sort of like insight afterwards, I just think that makes it even funnier. That sort yeah. Of and like we, we kind of learn about that later. You know, you got that, that makes so much sense. Isn't it funny when like they cast something that is so perfect, you know, and then you just, you can't even imagine. Like for example, oh. like uh, Avengers and things like that. Like the, the talk was it was meant to be Tom Cruise, it was meant to be Iron Man. And it's like, oh, dear. what? You kids oh, dear, can't dear, imagine, dear. you know, it not being Robert Downey Jr., you yeah. know? like Yeah, it's just um, when, when someone takes a role and makes that their role, then... That's that's all you can ask for, really, um, in terms of an actor giving a performance. Um, there have been many things that have been remade and rebooted with uh, other actors cast in parts yeah. um, that weren't in the original. We don't bat an eyelid, or you don't really care. But if someone was to say, for example, it was going to be a Shrek reboot, and it was going to be different actors... I feel like the world would burn within days. Because the <laughs> there would be riots. Trust me, the people would not stand for that. Well, listen, they recast The Lion King. They recast The Jungle Book. They've recast Batman and Spider-Man a hundred times. True. You know? True. Maybe it'll happen. And not to take away from 
any of the actors that were a in the originals of these. But I don't think anyone I don't think your layman on the street could tell right. you who, who voiced character A in this film, for example, or character B in this film. Whereas I feel like everyone knows <laughs> it was in Shrek. Other than, as I say that, um Mufasa remained as James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones, yeah, that's true. Original. Could it could have been anyone else, you know? Could it could have been anyone else, and that's the thing, like they did they did recast the rest of it. Um but there was no way that they could recast James Earl Jones. No, of course. Who's, who's, who's going to live up to that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're dead in the water immediately. Absolutely yeah. not. He has he has Mufasa. He has Mufasa. He has the king of the jungle. Um, and Darth Vader. Uh, we were talking about wrestling earlier on. I love the bit in Shrek where they're in the wrestling ring and it's like the competition to see who's going to go and rescue Fiona. I, I just and as a wrestling fan as a wee boy I was like dad dad look like it's like the wrestling and the thing like it was such a big moment for me to really you know attach myself to you know yeah and that's um, that scene has also got one of my favourite lines in the film as well um, where you know Lord Farquaad is saying um, you know we're looking for uh, looking for the man that's going to go forward and rescue the princess and bring her back to me it's going to be this long hard arduous journey it's going to be this task blah 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 and he finishes his grand speech off with, some of you may die, but that is a sacrifice I am willing to make. <laughs> so he's like so noble and humble and like, I'm willing to do that for, for you guys. It's brilliant. Was it's brilliant. A champion, that's a lot. They're looking for a champion. I love that Fiona's a martial arts expert for no reason. Like, it's so funny. Like, the jumping kicks in slow motion, like yeah. Jackie Chan. Like, it's, it's so good. It's, it's so good. Well, that's, aye. And that's another one, like, um, when she's uh, fighting all of, Robin Hood, well it's not Robin Hood, it's Monsieur Hood which is fighting Monsieur Hood's men <laughs> in the bush <laughs> um, uh, she's you know she does the the split double kick in the air Aye. and time stops and it's the Matrix thing yeah 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 which is it, just another brilliant reference but obviously Cameron Diaz was pretty much fresh off of Charlie's Angels oh yeah and so she um, had just done a hell of a lot of martial arts training and I was reading something that said that uh when she was recording for Shred, that she would, you know, get really into these these yeah. scenes and they they really amped that part of it up just for her after realising like just how into it she was and that um she would just suddenly like do a flying roundhouse kick and then <laughs> scream something in Cantonese. <laughs> <laughs> Which again is just I know that. so entirely unnecessary, but it just shows you the depth of Joy that they had of Princess Fiona, yeah, in this film, um, yeah. Which and again, I, I mean, I can, I can just recite the whole film to you in terms of favorite lines. No, please the whole do. Thing is so good, but um, in that in that scene when Monsieur Hood has his little song, <laughs> and he sort of like breaks it down into like a, a bridge, and he goes, "When an ogre in the bush grabs a lady by the tush, that bang." And I was just like. Oh my god, that is the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> an ogre in the bush. When an ogre in the bush grabs a lady by the tush, that's bad. I just think that's objectively funny. <laughs> <laughs> Great writing. Great. Oh, there's so many good ones, so many one-liners. Um, the next question I'm going to fo- pose to you is the biggest one. What do you think of the donkey and dragon relationship? <laughs> Go. I- <laughs> I think it's so funny. It's it's so funny. And he like sweet talks her. Like, yeah. 
Yeah. Man, you're looking fine. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, and you're a, you're a girl dragon. Ooh, well, of course you're a girl dragon because you're just reeking of feminine beauty. <laughs> it's just, it's ridiculous. It's utterly ridiculous, but it's just, again, it's just one of those things that's, it's like, well, of course, of course Aye. they're a couple. And of course, in <laughs> later films, you're going to see that they've got Little kids, little, little donkey babies with dragon wings. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this but it's so good. It's a good one. Hollywood's favorite couple. Aye, aye. Anime, anime's favorite couple. I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So, just to finish up, then. So, in terms of Shrek, from now going forward, every time you're going to watch it, what what is it going to mean to you going forward? Is it still that comfort film? Is it still when you look back on so fondly? And, and how much does it hold up? I think you pretty much answered that question throughout the episode, but um, what, what, what do you think about Shrek going forward? Uh, I mean, I don't think I'll ever tire of it. No, me neither. Um, I don't think I've actually watched it in quite a while, to be honest, but yeah. it's so ingrained in my psyche that I don't, you know, if I want to watch Shrek, I just close my eyes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's in my head. I can replay the full damn thing. Um, but, so, I, I, Shrek 2 is on a lot on ITV2. I don't know why. It just does. ITV2 seem to have this uh, little group of films that they just like to show. Always show, yeah. Um, cyclical group of films. Um, and Shrek 2 is just one of them. And so, I'll always just pop it on. And then... I feel like my Shrek, original Shrek needs are just fulfilled with my daily quotes from the film. Aye. Um, but I mean, it's it's just such a wonderful film. Um, and yeah, I just absolutely love it. I'll never grow tired of it. And I don't think it'll ever get old, to be honest. Everyone I know absolutely loves it. Um, and it's just so universally adored that I'm it's a masterpiece. It is a masterpiece. I love in Shrek too when uh, Puss in Boots comes and takes off his hat. He's got the big eyes. He's looking <laughs> sad like that meme that's now a big thing. Like I just used to find that so funny. And then the bit where he kicks him in the balls, uh, Donkey oh. kicks Shrek in the balls. It's so funny. Um, just when you mention memes, that's another thing. Like the amount of internet space that is taken up by Shrek memes, gifs, quite questionable fan fiction. Aye, aye. <laughs> sort of thing. There is, there is so much. Like it's just the impact that it's had on our generation is big time, man. Insane. Like I don't know how it was for other generations before the internet, before Shrek. Mate, I feel like Shrek just fell in that sweet spot of yeah, our generation of not really having the internet. To then, you know, really bringing the internet into what it is today. Being super exposed to it, yeah. And somehow that has culminated in just this multiverse of Shrek content. I went on Instagram the other day um, and I went to post a little story. And I don't use, I'm not on it particularly often. Um, I'll post a little story once every few months, but I went to post a story. And the first suggestion of a filter was a Shrek filter. <laughs> so like I need to use it <laughs> and I was like well I know what I'm doing for the next two hours selling <laughs> <laughs> like it in a strip and it's just so daft but like of course it is 
Of course, every meme you see is a donkey meme, and of course, every filter yeah. you see is a Shrek filter because it's it's just so it just pervaded the consciousness so much that it's it's, it's just it's just such a thing. It's just the, the the meme I see the most from Shrek content is the All Star song from Smash Mouth. Yeah. Like it's oh, always yeah, like somebody yeah, yeah. ones. Like <laughs> first of all, why was that the theme song? But also such a great theme song, and it's like mm. that song is now known as the Shrek song. You oh, know? absolutely. What's that? What's that song from? What's that song from Shrek? I, I, also, yeah. It's like you oh, know, it goes on that song to the start of Shrek. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's the start when he kicks the when he's behind the toilet and he kicks the door open and it coincides with that song. Barry, yeah, and that is just like I don't use TikTok, but I am reliably informed. I mean, I'm reliably informed that uh, that little sound is Aye. like used so it's like one of the main sounds used on TikTok. Now. Very popular, yeah. Yeah, and people just like make their videos to it. Yeah, and everybody knows what it is. Like, yeah, it's, not and, good. it's like, huh, what's that little bit of audio come from? Like, everybody knows exactly what it is. And you know how when you play those, like, quizzes, it's like, um, like, name the movie song or whatever. Like, I feel like Smash Mouth All-Star comes on, like, one of the first guesses. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like one of the first options yeah. is this Shrek song. It's just, it took over. And I don't know if it's because it's, like, early 2000s and around that time, like, bands like Smash Mouth and, you know, uh, Blink-182, and for Soup, Blimp Biscuit, like, all those yeah. songs were, like, really in the charts and stuff, you know, and it became, like, a kind of thing of, pop culture at the time but i still think if they were to use a classic song like that for a current film not all-star obviously but maybe a song from around that time it wouldn't be as effective it's the fact mm. that it's that choice with yeah, that yeah. film you know yeah. so even in the second film with like uh, as you said the jennifer saunders song mm, and uh, did you notice they're not saying uh living la vida loca as well <laughs> in the yes. Shrek too. yes which is um because antonio banderas is <laughs> Puss in boots. boots and so he's just singing it with us Big Spanish accent, yeah, and it's that's so. Oh man, I, I know we'll try to finish up, but I just keep rambling on. But that is another such another great moment from Shrek too, and um, you know, is it uh, Flash Dance when is it Flash Dance when she pulls the the rope and all the water just like when she's sitting on the chair? Oh yeah, yeah. Chris <laughs> 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 and Boots does that when he's singing "Love and Love You." Okay. But he's on the stage. And it's flash dance, yeah, nineteen eighty three. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and all the, the water, all the water just pours over him like that. <laughs> and it's just all those beautiful little references, which, and it's it's because it's not it's it's not a piss take. It's like exactly as a proper like paying homage to them to these yeah. like, classic cinema moments. Coughs up a fur ball. <laughs> <laughs> he's like dying. He's like <laughs> <laughs> so good, so good, so good. All right, man. Thank you very much for joining me. Um, where can the people follow you on the socials? You got a Twitter? Yes, I do. Um, oh, God, you caught me out there. I believe. Uh, I'll, get it for you. I'll get it quick. My Twitter is, uh, so it'll just be at and then my name, which I'm going to have to spell out because no one knows how to spell my name. So it'll be at Andrew, spelled the usual way, underscore mint, and that's M-U-N-D-T. So it's at Andrew underscore mint. M-U-N-D-T, where you'll see there me you tweeting about all manner of things, including uh, shouting at politicians, uh, shouting about great things that Rangers are doing, um, and being generally a social justice warrior. Yeah, there you go. Where, where, where does the name Moont come from? Can I just ask before we leave? Like, it is, I've never uh, heard the name like that before. No, it's quite uncommon. Um, it's a German name. Is it really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I think it was my great 
Now let me work this out. Great, great grandfather. It's either two or three greats. Grandfather was German. Um, and his wife was Danish. And somehow they ended up in Scotland. Yeah, cool. And then it's just thumbed them from there. Yeah. And it's a cool name. I always thought it was cool. Um, and you can book Andrew on Spotlight <laughs> if you want to go to the Bridges Actors Agency website and the uh, actor profile you're on there. Absolutely. Or you can follow me on Instagram at ATMint. My mother name's Thomas, so it's just at AtMint. At at <laughs> At sign ATMint. Like one of those Star Wars big uh, walking camel yes, things, the ATATs. <laughs> <laughs> right, thanks, man, and thanks everybody for listening and watching to the Good Bit Podcast. Take care of yourselves. We'll catch you all down the road. <laughs>